What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 22 of the RXP podcast. This is the podcast, of course, where three working professionals talk all about their love for video games, movies, and TV shows. My name is Matt, and I am joined by Alex. Croissants are a fantastic baked good. Mmm, truth. And Tiffany. Bravely Default 2 is an excellent game. Ooh, that's that's a good point. You know, Tiffany, you've been playing that for quite some time now. When did it release? It released on February 26th. Okay, okay. So how far are you in the game? Well, I'm quite far, but not as far <laughs> as I thought I would be because I am 44 to 45 hours into this game. Wow. I, no one do the math. And no I, one do the math out there. And I thought I'd be done by now, but wow. I am nowhere near done, mainly because I, I found out how many chapters there are in the game. The game's played in chapters. You start out the game in a mm-hmm. prologue. So I have a ways to go. And how, the, oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. no. I was just going to say that I was being a, li- a tad vague because my brother... Alex does not like to know how many chapters or would prefer no not spoilers. to know what chapters or how many chapters there are. So how long was Bravely Default 1? That felt like eons. I swear at least 60 hours, I think. Oh, okay. Am I am I wrong, Alex? I don't remember. Well, I know that Bravely Second, <laughs> Alex's save file was about like 64 hours, I think. And the reason okay. why I only remember his save file is because I never beat Bravely Second. And I think I was only like 30-some hours into that game. Excellent. But out of the 45 hours that you played, like, you liking it? Or... I love it. I love okay, it. Okay, you Matt. love it. I love it so much. It's just like a, you know, like when mom, when your mom makes something familiar and delicious and you haven't yes. had it in a while. And then you just like, you're like, hey, mom, I'm coming home to visit. And she's like, "Oh, I'll make you your fa- you know, I'll make you your favorite dish. I'll make you bravely f- default too." Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "I just whipped this up for you, just like the old times." And I was like, "Mmm, delicious." You know, it's just comforting. It's is it, is it just JRPG? Like, do you feel that way for all JRPGs? Or- no. Okay. I do not. This is a JRPG, like the most JRPG you can get as a JRPG. You know, four heroes okay. of light. Four elemental crystals. You're trying to save the world from calamity. You got to go collect your crystals because some evildoer is trying to abduct them and has, you know, convinced naysayers to be on their side. And you just go around, you know, you have your your black mage, your white mage, and like your your vanguard and monk character what have you and you just go around and you get more job classes the unique thing about this game is that your four main characters can be any job class based on what class you basically assign it jobs are um, in the form as asterisks which are these like little gems and so once you beat a boss character that has that is that has that asterisk job class you get that job class and then you can assign it to any one of your characters so if i really wanted to i could play the whole game as like four white mages and their outfits change (laughs) according to the job class and you know what this reminds me of matt it reminds me no it reminds me of 
Final Fantasy X Part 2, where all the different girls had outfit changes for all the different job classes that they could be. And I love it. And I love that game. And I love this game. And I recommend this game if you don't mind sinking apparently 60 hours into a turn-based RPG. You at least recommend the first 45 minutes of this game. No, I recommend the first 30 hours of this game. Oh, okay. All right. Man, something about JRPGs, they love their crystals. Oh, like, yeah. Remember remember Crystal Chronicles? I Let's, let's not speak I, of Crystal Chronicles. I love that game, but then I watched um, someone play the remaster, and I was like, yo, that game sucked. I, I like just thought it was really good matt <laughs> but I then i forgot you had game. to like i forgot you had to like carry the little like crystal or the little bucket or whatever it was, it was i think yeah that mechanic was fine because obviously it encourages a lot of co-op in that game uh-huh. but it's the way that the remaster remastered the game was very poor in terms of like the online infrastructure and progression because only the host character progresses mm-hmm that was terrible so if you're playing with a group of four each person in your group has to host and you have to replay the same level four times to keep everyone on the same progression track we should have talked about that in our uh, replayability episode you know oh god no. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't want to i want to be a downer <laughs> but that game we bought that game alex and i and another friend bought the remaster how much was that alex was it $40. Oh, $30. We like freaking insta bought it before we knew of the calamities of that game. And after playing the fourth cave for like the fourth time, like I just wanted to die. I was like, also the cutscenes only ever showed the like one character that was holding the that gemstone thing the entire time Mm -hmm. so for like all of our hosting playthroughs like we it would have been nice if each cutscene had like the host's character but we basically watched alex like go through the cutscene like eight times like Mm. you know what i mean yeah i would just be the designated like chalice carrier (laughs) the entire run (laughs) you know they can't all be sack boy big adventure those cutscenes so good yeah. Just like zooming in on the host. Uh, so Alex, I saw something on Twitter. It's kind of interesting. I saw a review of Persona 5 Strikers. And this person gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Had a lot of great things to say about it. And the person was you. Like, what what's going on? You finished it. You plied it, right? Indeed. Yeah, it took me 49 hours on the save file to get the platinum trophy uh that is 21 more hours than it took me to roll credits on the game so 28 hours to actually just finish the story extra 21 hours on top of that to get the platinum okay was that like a lot of grinding then the 21 hours yeah so most of the time spent was grinding because uh for those familiar with the persona series especially Persona 5, one of the trademark uh, features is forging bonds with your party members. And so for Strikers, it being kind of a, it is a direct sequel to Persona 5, but it being also a different type of game, a Musou action type of combat game, as opposed to a turn-based RPG, 
uh, instead of having individual bonds with each party member, you have a total party bond level. Okay. And the trophy that ended up being the last trophy I completed was the, you know, max out that bond level. So mm-hmm. hit bond level 99 and gain every uh, bond party skill uh, for the team. And the reason why it took so long is because the game is essentially very poorly scaled uh, in the late game. So the the character experience is different than the actual bond experience you get per battle. So the, so I hit level 99 with all of my party members long before I maxed out the bond level. Wow. So at the point to when I was grinding, it was just literally grinding for these skill points for the bond. And at that point also, I wasn't even getting meaningful stuff that I needed because the battles weren't hard. So the way I sped it up was there is a new game plus feature and I played it on the hardest difficulty, which they dubbed Merciless. Mm-hmm. And playing on the hardest difficulty, there are, and even in New Game Plus, there are no changes to the gameplay. The story is the same. The enemies are the same. The like configurations of groups of enemies are also the same. The bosses are the same. And you're just replaying through the same game, except you know on the hardest difficulty, the enemies have more HP, deal more damage. Mm-hmm. And so... It's this way of the game wanting you to replay through the story again, you know, on a harder difficulty, right? It takes longer to beat the enemies. They can kill you more easily, but there's no meaningful design changes that make you want to do it, or at least for me, made me want to do it. And so I found a good spot in the first dungeon of the game where I grinded the same enemy for about, I'd say, eight hours of killing the exact same oh enemy over and over again. That sounds terrible. That That's literally the worst grind that you'd have to do in a game. It does sound bad, and it is. it was bad, you know? And then you <laughs> ask yourself, why would I put myself through eight hours of fighting the same enemy over and over? And I'd say one thing is, you know, penchant for I do these things for platinum trophies. I like my shiny digital pixels. Hey. Uh, on the flip side... It was there was a level of mastery of it being a action RPG where I thought I could get better at beating the enemy and I did. So the first time I fought it on Merciless, it took me about eight minutes, like a rough estimate looking at the clock. By the end of it, the last time I had to fight it, I was able to beat it in under three minutes. Hmm. And so there were small optimizations each time I beat it where I was able to figure out hey, can I do this faster? Hey, what can I do like combo-wise to deal more damage, stagger it, and just you know overall increase my um, damage output? And at, at least in that fact, there was some mastery there to be had. And so you know, it still took me eight hours total, but at least each run got progressively quicker and quicker. So now that you've platinumed it, would you recommend your experience? Did you like the game? I mean, yeah. From a gameplay perspective, you know, don't go for the trophy, uh, the platinum trophy. But if you want to just do a normal run through and roll credits, twenty hours, fantastic game. If you like uh, uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, I'd say the gameplay is very similar to that. In that, you know, this Persona Five Striker is being what they dub a Muso. So for those that don't know, uh, if you've heard of the Dynasty Warriors franchise, it's that type of combat where there's, you know a bunch tens twenties hundreds of enemies on the screen but you know you're a overpowered you know main protagonist that can take on these vast armies solo 
and uh, you know, taking from the Persona 5 style of combat, which is a turn-based RPG, you have the special moves from that game as your special moves in this game. So you're sprinkling in the Musou-type action combat, you know, button-mashing, hack-and-slash, mm-hmm. with uh, these tactical uh, choices by using your special moves, you know, to exploit enemy weakness, to inflict status ailments, to heal your party members. And it's just nice kind of balance where they also encourage you to swap between your four party members. Um, so there's this mechanic called the Showtime Gauge, where as you deal more damage and beat more enemies, you build up the Showtime Gauge. And once you fill it, you can unleash your all-out attack on the enemy. And it's, you know, this great, you know, spectacular cutscene that just blasts the field and deals a lot of damage. And it's something that, you know, coming hot off of 7 Remake being my favorite game of 2020, mm-hmm. this was just kind of a nice follow-up to that. And so I think that was also part of the reason I was able to struggle through eight hours of grinding the same enemy over and over again. Awesome. My game has grinding, but it's not as bad because I only have to do it for like 30 minutes at a time and then I can move on. I had to actually grind to get a platinum this past week for control. I uh, finished that, rolled credits. I had one one last trophy to get. I wasn't really going to delve into the DLC because like I liked the story. Um actually like the story was probably my least favorite part. Like the the action and like the world was like awesome. Like it definitely gave off Alan Wake vibes which it's technically set in the same universe. So um I like that but um the story was okay. Um and I didn't really want to do any more. Like it was I was at the time of like okay I'm done with this, but I have like one trophy left before I platinum this. So I might as well just platinum it. And it was um, to like assign some ability points, which I just needed like to finish a few more side quests to get enough ability points. So I, I delved into the DLC and it definitely felt grindy uh, after a while, but got that. I also, I don't know if you guys have delved into the PS Plus games this month. Um, Not yet. I, yeah, Tiffany, you you like haven't even logged on to PlayStation in like two weeks. I was like bravely default to. I happened. literally sl- <laughs> sleep with my Nintendo Switch right now. <laughs> hey, you know that's great. Um, but a PlayStation Plus game that came out that I was really excited for was Maquette, which is a puzzle game. It's a Annapurna game. It's it's kind of nice. It's like all about like perception and kind of you're moving smaller objects, which actually. Are supposed to be bigger objects so when you move the small object the bigger object in the world moves uh, so it plays with a lot of those mechanics if you have a playstation i would say get it download it play the first level if you hate the first level you're gonna hate the rest of the game like it's the same mechanics you know throughout it, it's a cool little quaint little story i think it probably takes a few hours if that to finish it and to get the platinum, maybe four hours, maybe five, if you take your time. But it's it's a real easy platinum, um, and it's a it's a fun story. It's it's a fun story. It's a it's about a relationship that kind of goes south, but I liked it. Um, but one thing I've actually been watching, which is, this is the first time I've actually watched front or you know first episode to the end, is Avatar: The Last Airbender. I was oh. actually planning on watching the finale. Uh, today, but then I didn't realize that was an hour and a half, so it's going to wait until this weekend, because that's a long time. (laughs) Uh, But it kind of brings us 
to the topic today, because maybe a week and a half ago, the people that brought us The Last Airbender has actually developed what they call Avatar Studios. And so what happened with Avatar Studios is that they're going to take the world of Avatar The Last Airbender and make different products, different media, so different TV shows and movies that are all set in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, which I think is an awesome idea because the the fact of like, firebending and earthbending and waterbending and all these things like that that's just such a cool concept that i feel like the stories of avatar and legend of korra which i haven't watched legend of korra but those seem like very kind of linear stories and i'd like to see maybe some more stories in that world so this brings my question to you all what other franchises TV shows, movies, video games, would you like to delve into that world? So like a, an example that we got this past, or I guess a year and a half ago, was The Mandalorian. Like The Mandalorian came out. This was not tied to the main story, or not really tied to the main story of Star Wars, but in the, you know, the Star Wars world had a lot of lore in it. But really, like The Mandalorian, the story of The Mandalorian is so separate to everything else that happened in the Skywalker Sega. So what do you guys have? What do you guys think would be an awesome universe to dive back into? So it's not something that I've extensively played myself, but I've definitely watched a lot of it, uh, mostly because I'm just fascinated with it. And that is StarCraft, uh, and in particular, StarCraft Two, And, you know, the... The most recent release, which was uh, Legacy of the Void, which I think came out back in 2015, 2016. So it's been a while. It's been quite a while since StarCraft has had any sort of releases. But in particular, you know, you have the, for those that don't know, right, there's three races in StarCraft. There's the Terran, which are like, you know, basically space marines. And then you have the Protoss, which are kind of like your, I guess, energy-based life form slash like... I don't know, squid looking things. Um, and then you have the Zerg, which are your kind of like organic, like monstrous looking like alien type race. And, you know, obviously the each release, uh, campaign release of StarCraft II, which were Link, Wings of Liberty, Heart of the Swarm and Legacy of the Void revolved around each of the races and their, their stories. But I think that, you know, it being an RT, real-time strategy game, you know, very kind of high barrier to entry for... Uh, most people because it's very uh, I guess skill intensive in terms of being good at the game requires a mm -hmm. lot of time investment but I think the characters in that world have a lot of strengths in just being interesting characters in general and I hope that you know looking at things that Blizzard has done with uh, Hearthstone which is more of the kind of World of Warcraft such Warcraft spinoff card game that I would hope they'd be willing to do a and a similar treatment to StarCraft and make some sort of, I guess, not necessarily a card game, but kind of like maybe a rogue light type game, but based in the StarCraft universe oh, to kind of delve more into the characters there, or at least tell side stories. Cause I think that, you know, the struggle between the three races provides that interesting perspective that they've already explored in the games. But I think there's more that can be done with those characters and kind of, focusing in on each one or maybe smaller interaction between them. And, and when I say roguelite, I guess something maybe along the lines of slay the spire or yeah. monster train, 
um, things of that nature where it's kind of like, you know, you're building your army, you're building your group. So it still sticks to the RTS uh, spirit of Starcraft, but then also kind of letting you choose your own path and make decisions and kind of go down these branching um, storylines that I think could, you know, add to the value of that universe, but also allow more people that might not be interested in the RTS genres in particular to still get, you know, that story across in a different way. Yeah. Real-time strategy games are not my jam. Like I've never gotten into real-time strategy, but that's, this brings up a good point. Like this is a great game that maybe people like me would never experience the stories unless they were in games that maybe a little bit easier for me to go into like a roguelite or, or even a, you know, deck building kind of, you know, game, mobile game, whatever, you know, at least it, it gets me into that, into that universe that I definitely would not be getting into it <laughs> if it was a, a real time strategy. Tiffany, what do you think? About the Alex's concept or? Or just another universe, whichever. So I don't have much opinion about StarCraft 2, mainly because I don't really know Fair. much about it. But uh, something that I'd love as a kind of a spinoff thing. So Pokemon has never has basically done so many different types of games. Like we saw in the Pokemon Presents presentation in February that it really in the last 25 years, they've really ran the gamut of types of games, you know, from like RPGs to Pokemon Snap to Detective Pikachu and all that jazz, right? Well, mm-hmm. and pinball. And pi- oh yeah, Pokemon. Pin- bring back Pokemon Pinball. I would. L- I love that game. I really bring. This it back. is the game we want Nintendo. Yeah, to bring free. it back. Pokemon Pinball. Uh, They're like, so- what? You want Diamond and Pearl? Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it to you two times over. But anyway, so <laughs> one th- one game style or gameplay that I really like is base building. Or, you know, I'm very happy with Animal Crossing, right? So hear me Mm -hmm. out. I would love a game in the Pokemon universe where I just set up a little ranch and I just have Pokemon and I decorate my ranch and I can visit other people's ranches. And here's my concept, actually. Here's my pitch, okay? Hear me out. You get the game. You decide which region you want to move to. Okay, I'm talking about, you know, eight gens, you pick a region, you select that region, you randomly get a spot on the map, maybe adjacent to the towns Uh in the in the game or what have you, you know what I mean? Like just a little nice spot. Then you get a random assortment of 50 Pokemon from that generation available to you. And you can't get any other Pokemon until you get to a point in the game where you've established a ranch where you can visit other people's ranches and other versions of the game. I'm literally talking about randomly generated Pokemon. You know what I mean? Like maybe my ranch on Sinnoh has different Pokemon around compared to you who had a Mm -hmm. same ranch in the Sinnoh region. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, I'm hearing it. I, I, I think that we need to like wrap up this podcast and just send it to Nintendo of America and be like, do it. Cause like, CC game freak. Like part of me is even like thinking like, why do you even need two versions of games anymore? And the reason why I was inspired about like, could you imagine a Pokemon game 
where you get a random assortment for your decks and you literally don't know until you finish your decks and then you'd have Mm. to like get alongside the online community to try to like really like you know complete it and fluff it out so i was inspired for this concept by animal crossing's weather pattern like apparently there's like a hundred thousand different weather patterns in animal crossing and when you started your island you got set in a you know a weather pattern right so like really my my like you know, Friday, February 26th on my island could be sunny. And on your island, Matt, it could have been raining. Like, you know what I mean? Like every day, the weather's different on every island, you know? Like just because it's raining on my island today doesn't mean it's raining on your island. Or maybe Mm -hmm. it rained on your island in the morning and didn't rain for the rest of the day. And I've been, it's been raining all day long. You know what I mean? Like, so I took that concept and threw that into a Pokemon game. But I just want to like build a cozy little little area for my pokemon to run free like we had pokemon camp in sword and shield where Mm -hmm. you just like you know plopped in and saw them like kind of playing around but i just want that just like not having to activate i'm just like walking around heck maybe i'm planting berry berry pokeberry trees you know i'm feeding my my pokemon their berries (laughs) i'm i'm playing with them i'm buying furniture items for my little ranch taking photos of my pokemon and putting it on the walls the true question is then, what region would you actually choose to settle in? That is a great question. And for me, I feel like I'd probably do the Kalos region in X and Y. Why are you making... What, like, what do you have <laughs> against that? Alex does not approve. Yeah. There's only one answer to this question. It's the Alola region. You would not settle anywhere but the Alola region. Just because I just... use the word ranch? Or like, what do you mean? Then it no, would just saying, be Animal Crossing New Horizons. Like maybe she's right, done with beach environments. If you compare all the regions, the nicest region is the Alola region. Why would you want to settle anywhere else? I love X and Y. I mean, okay, for reals though, Gold and Silver is my second gen is my favorite, absolute favorite gen, but X and Y mm-hmm. is my second favorite gen. So I feel like I'd I'd like to do X and Y. Because you know that's maybe all- if you finished moon you'd appreciate the lola region oh more. my gosh you're putting me on blast <laughs> i never finished gosh i i'm sorry audience i've never finished moon i never fake finished fan fake fan my rowlet my, my precious little decidui he's just mm. le- a wee little level like 27 28 i don't even know what level he's at Oof. 32 who knows but i did get him up to decidui so there's that. Nice. But yeah, that's my little ranch. You know what I mean? Like home settlement Pokemon ranch game. The cozy feels. Yes. Pokemon Farm coming to Nintendo Switch 2025, everybody. <laughs> Get ready. Actually, you know, a, a good point, though, or a potential change in your style of gameplay. Have you ever yeah. played Viva Pinata? No, but I've heard so many good things about Viva Pinata. I, I think if they mashed up viva pinata with pokemon that would be an awesome combination because it's basically what you're talking about you're basically building a ranch depending on the viva pinata of course but what you're doing is you're building a ranch and you're basically building your ranch to attract different pinatas or for this you'd like attract different pokemon so say like certain pokemon would need a berry bush 
to come eat yes. and then they'll stay. So you build a berry bush yes. and then different Pokemon would come. Or maybe they want other, you know, ground type Pokemon and then this other ground type Pokemon will come. Like if they did a Viva Viva Pinata or Viva Pokemon game, <gasps> that would be amazing. Oh my God, game. I would die. Please, yeah. Nintendo. Uncle Nintendo, please make Viva <laughs> P- Pokemon. Pokemon life. Pokemon life. That literally. How have they not used that before? Please. I don't know. Please, Pokemon life, make it happen. I think that would fit perfectly. Like seriously, would fit perfectly. Anyway, uh, so actually, a, a game that I was thinking about when I was thinking about universes that I just absolutely love is: Have you guys ever played The Wolf Among Us? No. I have played the first season. Okay. Or you I guess first episode, my bad. First episode. First episode. First did episode you not, of the first season. You didn't like it? Or I played it when it came out and okay. I just never got to the other episodes when they came out. Do you like Telltale games in general? So, I really like Tales uh from the Borderlands. Okay. Uh mostly because I enjoy the Borderlands series, but I thought the storytelling in that one was very well done and obviously it tied into Borderlands three. So it was kind of like required reading at least to know some of the characters that appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I'd say I do enjoy the, the narrative storytelling, maybe not necessarily the mechanics of it and the feel of the games. Cause they are it's, kind of, it's kind of clunky. Yeah. A little janky, but I think for the most part, and especially the fact that the wolf among us in terms of the fairy tale, source material is just like it's i guess it's the backlog of shame that i've never gone back and actually finished the wolf among us season one because i do know that i think they have announced they are doing a season two they are So it's even more shameful if season two comes out and i haven't finished season one and this was the whole thing because telltale of course went under and then it got bought and it was kind of like, well, are they ever going to do The Wolf Among Us Part 2 or Season 2? And they are going to do it, supposedly. Uh, but I found this game. I think it was a Games with Gold on Xbox one month. So I didn't even buy the game. It just kind of fell on my lap. Played it. Absolutely loved it. Everything about it. It's a Telltale game. So like you said, it's kind of a little janky. But it it is all based on a comic book series, the Fables comic book series. So basically, it takes kind of old fairy tales and reimagine them in this almost like 1980s, 1990s vibe of just like they're living real life people, but they're all based on comic book characters. So the main guy is the sheriff, and he is based on the big bad wolf in the Three Little Pigs story. So uh, Bigsby, uh, is his last name Wolf? That would be too bad. Uh, it's Bigsby. Anyway, the big bad wolf. I forget what his name is. His name is Bigsby. Uh, but he runs around and he basically solves all these people's problems. And like you're the whole time you're kind of like picking apart like who is this person? Is this person Snow White or is this person uh, Pinocchio or is this per- like they're they all have like these you know split personalities of what they were in like the fairy tales that we know and like what they are in this game. And it's all kind of like. A little bit dark like bell and beast have like marital problems and like oh. he of course has like some rage and like he could be like a little bit abusive 
which kind of like makes sense when you think about like the Disney um, <laughs> movie, I guess. Like, I, I, it's not it's not against the realm of possibility or anything, but it's just kind of like a darker take on all these fairy tales in a way that I just love that thought process. And if we had like an actual TV series or even just another game that's set, maybe not following Bigsby because sometimes it's a little bit hard to root for because he's the big bad wolf. Um, I, I think it would be awesome. I would love like a, a TV limited series that just went through and just made this a reality. Just get some like high name actors on Netflix and just work this out. I think this would be an awesome eight eight episode series to go through this because some people may not want to kind of go through these Telltale games, but I think the story of it all is so good and I, I think it would be really popular and I think a lot of people might like it, but you guys should check it out. So Alec- you- Okay. You would want it to be like acted and not like animated. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be cool because if it was animated, I think it would be distracting since it's already coming from a animated. Like it would have to be the same animated Telltale style for me. I think they could do like a higher production, like, you know, keep the same art style, but, okay. you know, up the quality a bit. Maybe. True. True. They had more, you know, money behind it, but I, I feel like it would be cool to see like a real life adaptation. Like maybe you know, if you said, "All right, you're going to cast Snow White," like you probably have something in your mind. But like, if you're trying to cast Snow White in The Wolf Among Us, which is like dark and like maybe Snow White has gone through you know tough times, yeah, I think it would be really cool to see what they would do with it because I think Emma Stone. <laughs> hey emma stone i know you're probably listening to our podcast um, oh my gosh <laughs> we've got a new casting for you <laughs> also if you have an uncle that works in nintendo we have a viva pinata game <laughs> viva pokemon viva pokemon uh but yeah that's that's my pitch that's my pitch for wolf among us live action series i think that would be amazing I had no idea that that's what A Wolf Among Us was about. Yeah. I If you guys have the means to play it, like if you, do you have it, Alex? I have it on Epic Game Store. Okay. They gave it away for free last year. So I do have access to all of season one. So I really don't have an excuse to play it. I just, actually, I think I have it installed. Oh, nice. I just haven't played it yet, but it is there. And especially when... Uh, season two is closer to releasing. I mm-hmm. think that'll really get me motivated to to finish up season one. It's got a really good story that kind of leaves you hanging to where there are plenty of YouTube videos about what the ending actually means. It's a big cliffhanger. So I'm automatically going to be playing the game when, you know, Wolf Among Us 2 gets announced. So just play it then. It'll be great. We'll have a great discussion about it. On the uh, topic of television, so my other property I would like to see, I guess, get more expanded upon is, uh, I guess, cartoon, anime, both, right? Because it did get an English dub. And that is Yu-Gi-Oh! And I know what you might be thinking, right? Mm Yu-Gi-Oh! has multiple seasons. It's still ongoing. You know, every time they come out with a new season, 
it's for a new generation. It has like the new, like it kind of lines up with the card game. So they introduce like, Oh, this generation is about fusion, you know, whatever. And that's kind of like the first season. And then this one's about like pendulum summoning. So it reflects the mechanics of the card game in each generation as they come out. But in particular, what I would like is I would like an, an expanded story of, season one so yugi moto and his life after the end of that season because if you you know viewers that might or might not know i guess the only mention of yugi in later seasons is in the immediately following season uh Yu-Gi-Oh! gx where we see yugi at the very start like in episode one he gives the protagonist of that season uh a card and that's the last time we see Yugi and he's never, you know, brought up again. There's never kind of any insinuation about Yugi as a person or obviously the Pharaoh. But at the end of the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh and his story arc, right, where the Pharaoh gets sent to the afterlife, you know, after he has one final duel with Yugi, there's just nothing really out there that goes into what does Yugi do after all of this, right? Like he's, battled in all these like card tournaments he's you know taken on evil dark forces and you know triumphed over you know saving the world essentially that Mm -hmm. kind of story but there's nothing that goes into him as he grows older right because the story takes place while he's a teenager like the like the entire arc of that story he's not i guess a full-fledged adult for the most part um at least yugi isn't right because the adult side is the pharaoh that you know possesses yugi from time to time and so really, I want to see what is Yugi like, you know, having, I guess, kind of this accelerated life of having all these experiences as a young, younger person. And how does that influence him, you know, growing up? And on the flip side, right, Kaiba, you know, Seto Kaiba, that the quintessential antagonist in Yu-Gi-Oh uh, is the same thing, right? Like he still has Kaiba Corporation that's still around, like he's still a, uh, you know, businessman. And there's no insinuation of like, what's Kaiba doing also after all these events. And so I feel, you know, growing up with it, Yu-Gi-Oh! is something that's really stuck close to me and something I've I've kept with, uh, kept up with for the most part. I haven't watched a majority of the current seasons that have come out, but it is on my backlog of things. I do want to go back and kind of rewatch these, even though I'm not so much into the card game these days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, particularly with Yu-Gi, I just wish that they did something that kind of, followed them into adulthood and not necessarily, you know, a long story, but just something that say that they took these experiences and how did they grow as people? And that, I think that would be super cool to see like the evolution there. So do you want this to be in the same style in like as a show that follows him? Or do you want just like a movie or a live action show? I don't know if they could ever do it live action because be a, lot a lot of, of gel. The- like a lot of hair yeah. gel. To a lot of gel. A lot of uh, hair coloring. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they could do it. It just necessarily wouldn't be good unless they <laughs> right. put a lot of because, money behind it. Yeah. A lot of the fantastical parts of Yu-Gi-Oh! Right? The actual dueling would require a lot of probably CG and special effects to bring that to life. But I would I'd be down if they if someone if some, you know, producer out there in japan wants to make a live action Yu-Gi-Oh. like i'll watch it in theaters like hell yeah you know, when it's <laughs> safe to do so um but i think i'd want it to remain like a tv show so still like an animated show okay um not with live actors not uh 
any animated movie or something but i think you know and it doesn't even have to be long right a lot of anime seasons these days are like 12 episodes i'd be okay with just like a one season 12 episode arc of showing Yuki you know Yuki as an Kaiba. office worker he now well not being an office well i hope that his life is more yeah i hope that his life is more interesting than that <laughs> Uh, but just, you know, going into them and also every other character, right? Because you have uh, Joy Wheeler and now I forget, um, you have Tristan and I forget his last name. And then I forget, I think it's Taya is the uh, female friend. But yeah, you just have that cast of characters that they kind of, they're there for, you know, being Yugi's friends mm-hmm. and that works out for that story. And then the story ends and then they move on to the next protagonist. But I think that there could be something, especially for Yugi, right? Being the original protagonist for this franchise of what is he doing in his, I guess, quote unquote, like after years. He's believing in the heart of the cards. Exactly. <laughs> but I want to see it. I want to see that belief in the heart of the cards. So they never, at the end of those, I, I never watched Yu-Gi-Oh. I know zero about Yu-Gi-Oh, except that one line that Tiffany just said, and his name is Yugi. <laughs> and that's it. Um, so at the end of the series, they never like did a like f- flash forward or anything. So besides the cameo, I guess that appears uh, in the second season with the new protagonist, uh-huh. uh, which by the way, you never see his face. It's just you see kind of like his hair? the back of his head and back, <laughs> and he's like you see him hand the card to the new protagonist, and then that's like it. So like we know it's Yugi though. Yeah, we see the hair and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they never do like an official thing. I think I did look up at one point where uh, one of the original artists drew a kind of not necessarily canon, but a art piece that showed Yugi and Kaiba uh, in space kind of testing like a new system. And so there is something there is and it's, you know, obviously not canon. And but they've hinted at, hey, there could be a happy ending slash some additional thing that happens. Yeah. So he uh, works for Kaiba so, Corporation. Right, and it could be something like that, but I wish that there could be some sort of story that they pan out. And like I said, it doesn't have to be long. It could be a miniseries, maybe even six episodes. It could be a movie. I, it could be an OVA be with three episodes. Yeah, right. It could be an OVA, sure. I, I just wish that there was more time spent with those that cast of characters because they're so close to my childhood. What I'm hearing is that you just need closure with Yu-Gi-Oh!, <laughs> Which yep. I guess, well, like, with, I guess Yugi in particular, yes. in particular, yes. Because uh, Naruto, I love Naruto and like Naruto Shippuden, um, but we kind of got that at the end of Naruto Shippuden, where you kind of like see where they are, and then of course they came out uh, Boruto, Boruto, which I have not gotten into, uh, but yeah, it is kind of nice to see kind of like what they chose after it. Uh, so I get you. Cool. It's kind of sad with Boruto because I got into a little bit when I came back from Japan and Boruto just acts out a little bit because his dad is, you know, Hokage and he doesn't like it. Like he doesn't like yeah. the Hokage title because he's like, my dad's busy. You know what I mean? Like anyway. when you realize that Naruto is a bad dad and you're like, dang it. Yeah. And then it's like Sasuke, bad dad. And you're like, dang it. Well, I knew he would be a bad dad. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler, Man. not spoiler alert, Sasuke. What a series. Man, I love Naruto so much. Anyway, so my last idea, and this is something that I've brought up on the show a couple times, 
because we've talked about a little bit about shows that we like and a little bit about cyberpunk which you know we didn't like which fun fact <laughs> uh cyberpunk is still not on the ps4 store like the, it still has not come whoa back. yeah crazy anyway um so that's all we're going to talk about cyberpunk but something that is in that world that did so much better at a story than cyberpunk was altered carbon which was a netflix series which i loved i i loved this show which tiffany recommended this initially yes and i finally got to it and you you basically follow this guy he's like hardened i don't even know if like what his job title was really he was like a a A mercenary mercenary. yeah so the idea is that this is like this kind of futuristic world and they have these things called sleeves within their neck stacks that yes that they would put their stacks which is basically like the equivalent of their soul so if their body died and the stack was intact then they could take that stack and put it into another sleeve in another person's body and basically it's that same person so like the rich of the society could basically live forever because they would just have all these sleeves or all these, you know, bodies made. Yeah. And they would just, anytime they would die, they would just pop out their stack and put it in something else. And, um, there was so much like social disparity between the really poor versus the very rich. And I loved all the environments of it. I thought it was so cool and so well done. There was only two seasons, Actually, Anthony Mackie was the main protagonist. He was the sleeve in the second season. I thought I, I just loved that whole environment. I, I don't know about so much some of the characters of Altered Carbon, but I think that the environment was probably the best thing in that entire entire series. Like the Unfortunately, world Netflix, Netflix canceled it, so there's no season three. But I would love for them to go back. And maybe not, you know, Takeshi Kovacs was the main character and he had a lot of drama. And it, like, of course, you know, this is a, a Netflix show. It's it's going to have like the main bad guy and, you know, following Takeshi Kovacs as he's gone through basically time in different sleeves. But I would just love just anybody else. It doesn't even it could be him again, but anyone else just to kind of see how maybe you're following a rich guy, a, a person that grew up in wealth who has all these and then they're stripped of all their power and they have to kind of survive on their own. And, um, I I think there's so much world building that they set in motion that it would almost be a waste if they didn't go back there. And that was why I was so, I told, I said I would, wouldn't talk more about cyberpunk, but I will just for a minute. I was so hyped about cyberpunk because all I could think of was, man, if this feels any bit like altered carbon, I'm going to love this game and it just wasn't and i i kind of hated it but um alter carbon was fantastic the world building second to none it, it just really what i want out of a sci-fi futuristic world and i think there's so much potential there tiffany what do you think you you love this this series yeah i really did love the tv show and did you know matt it's based off a book series I think he told me that. Yeah, so there's actually a, at least three, maybe four books. I I know there's definitely three. Um, 
my mind might be fuzzy on the fourth one. But okay. what I thought was super interesting about the show, though, with the Takeshi Kovach character is mm-hmm. that his big deal is that he's well, he was trained to be able to be reoriented into a sleeve in minutes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, apparently it's very discombobulating to be like placed into a new sleeve and just like trying to orient your, you know, like maybe you're a different size, you know, maybe you're taller yeah. than you once were. Maybe you were younger and you you feel weird like in this other body. So this character can like adapt to a new sleeve like almost instantaneously. And I think you're right. Like I would be super interested in another show or another story in that world because mm-hmm. it was really interesting. They also came out with like a cartoon, like an animated yeah. short or something. I never, I never watched that, but that's that's also on Netflix apparently. But I was just disappointed to find out that season three wasn't happening because they definitely yeah. had room for more stories with the characters that they had. They set such a good stage, and it's one of those. You know, I'm a big believer in movies as a medium over TV shows, but. It, the world building is so large. I think the way I want to see the world, I think you need a longer period. I think you need eight one-hour episodes to really delve into the world of the lowest slums versus the highest skyscrapers that are floating in the sky. Right. Um, that you just don't get in a three-hour movie, that you need a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Alex, did you ever get into Altered Carbon? No, it's okay. it's never and didn't not get caught up in that. I want to call it a fad, but that like trend, I guess. Uh, I did get partially into Black Mirror, which I feel like is altered carbon adjacent, but yeah. very adjacent. Um, but I think that there's when I'm watching Black Mirror, kind of put me on that feeling of man, this type of like dystopian future is very depressing, and it's not something that I want to actively experience. <laughs> Cause it's just not, I don't find it enjoyable to kind of feel like, Oh, there's this outlook on how life could be with this incorporation of technology, even deeper into our everyday lives. And it's like, Oh, this feels like, you know, I don't want to think about this right now. Yeah. I never watched black mirror. I watched half of one episode and I thought it was like too real that I shuddered and like, I couldn't watch it. It was the episode with Bryce Dallas Howard where everyone rates each other. Like your world, your life is based on your rating. Whoa. And I hate that. I literally, I, I wanted to die when I was watching it. Cause I was like, Oh God, is this the future? Because basically depending on where you live is based on your rating, depending on where you can work is based on your rating. One dude apparently had a, uh, a bad interaction with his like, partner and like they broke up or something and then people started downrating him because they only got the other person's part of the story and then he basically like lost his job because his rating was too low like matt it was like really scary because i was like oh my god like i could see this actually happening in like 50 years and i hated it and i couldn't finish the episode i don't even know what happens it's like the myspace exacerbated (laughs) like like the top eight or whatever top five and as a fun tie-in, Bryce Dallas Howard is one of the voice actors in Maquette. Oh, I didn't know that. She's the, yeah. Oh, it's her and her yeah. husband. Yeah, are you're the right. two voice actors. Wait, are her actual husband? Mm-hmm. Her actual real-life husband Who's her is husband? the other voice actor. I'm unaware. I just know that it's her husband. Oh, wow. That's really cool. 
Yeah, I don't know if they were recording this. I th I heard from somewhere, this isn't confirmed, but I heard that they recorded all of these from home. Like they recorded the voice acting from home, which would make sense that it probably like some of the recording is maybe some of the last parts of development. Uh, so, which is actually pretty impressive because the voice acting I thought was pretty good. I didn't realize huh. that Maquette was actually that new. For some reason, I thought it was like two years old or something. Oh yeah, no, it's, I feel like it just released right like yeah i think the when it at least on ps5 the fact that it came free as one of the free games for march it was the the launch of the game yeah oh i, I think it because it's also releasing on pc so i don't know if it's been there on pc but okay yeah i i heard through the grapevine that it was recorded from home so. i'm definitely planning on playing it after bravely default 2 it's a fun like, little experience. Like, if you like puzzle games. I love I don't puzzle know, games. I love puzzle games, too. Like, it's not as intense as The Witness, but it's fun. Like, it, it's a fun little bite-sized game. It's really good. Make me another Pokemon puzzle game, Nintendo. Just puzzle games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you guys have any more universes? I think it's pretty good. Like, we've given Nintendo so much to work on. Like, our uncle from Nintendo is going to be so busy. I don't even know. He's he's probably going to miss our next episode because he's just going to be talking to, to Game Freak. Japan. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, look, <laughs> this idea will print us money. I will literally <laughs> yeah. buy that game for everyone's Christmas present. You have no idea. Especially I, so I could go to the, your ranches. It's, yeah. Like. Yeah. I knew it was going to be selfish in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just want the Pokemon. No. <laughs> <laughs> no matter the cost. All right. Well, I think that wraps up episode 22 of the RXP podcast. Of course, you can contact us at any time on our Twitter at RXP underscore podcast or our email at rxp.podcast at gmail.com. Reach out to us what universe you would love to dive back into. But for us... See you next time. Listen to our peer review of WandaVision.